You know what has been, I don't know if this is coming up a lot for you guys, but that fucking part in that Hillary Duff movie where she's like, she's in like music class or something oh, like that. Oh, raise your voice. And, I saw that the other day. And she's like, where she's like, ha, ha, ha. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Well, hey, hey. Hey, you guys, it's the rap episode. It's been so I long. I wonder when the last time was that Kimmy didn't sing us a song. <laughs> it's most days. <laughs> what did we start with? Kimmy, we we did it together. What did we do? The click. Oh, that's right. We did the, the cinematic venture, the click. You know what's really yes. funny? Not to spoiler alert, but I just had like the funniest knee-jerk reaction to watching Kayleen Longin on Letterboxd because like <laughs> the film is now like so funny to me and it's just got like a little place in my heart. And so she rated it a two and a half and I took offense. <laughs> okay, I did too, dude. I saw it and I was like, oh, okay. And then I remembered oh, Which is higher than what both of you and rated. Then I, remember, I only gave it a two and I was like, never mind. <laughs> and then kimmy explained the kings of summer yeah and then we did this is spinal tap kayleen and i did this is spinal tap and then kayleen and i did moon i did everest and then we finished with my santa my santa sweet uh what are we talking about today though First, we're gonna we're gonna close out last year, thankfully, Bye. with mm-hmm. our top five movies that we watched in that past year of 2020. That it were might new. not be much. It might not be extensive. It might be very redundant. Yeah. But we're here for yeah. it, and we're ready. <laughs> and um, a lot of these movies deserve some serious recognition for sure. I'm pretty sure three out of my five will be on both of your lists, but oh, I could I be wrong. It. I'm pretty sure Courtney and I have four four of the same. Four, ones. wow. I think we yeah, only have I'm three, sure. but yeah, we only have three. Okay. Good good bets. Good bet, bets. Bet, bet. <laughs> well, let's get started. Okay. So my in order from f- five to one, one being the best mm-hmm. that you've seen. So my number five, I chose The Invisible Man. Oh, go for it. Obviously, you guys know I love Elizabeth Moss. It was like mm-hmm. the last movie that we saw in theaters before mm-hmm. lockdown and all that. And I was like pleasantly surprised. And I would watch it again because there's some funny parts. I think that if we watched it like for fun, that I would enjoy upon rewatch. And it surprised me. I think it did some untraditional things as like a thriller that really got me and I was affected. So I appreciate that because, you know, movies like that can get so repetitive. That's really all I have to say about it. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a positive one that I saw this year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it, I, I definitely liked that movie. It seems like so long ago now. I'm glad it made a tier list. Yeah. It seemed like a solid Kimmy flick. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to get bumped for this since this wasn't Kimmy's number five. My number five is Black Bear. Bump. Higher. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My number five is Swallow. Oh. It's not on my list. Not on my that list. That was on my list of things that I wish I had seen. Wow. Mm. Th- these are like our only ones that are original. The rest of my <laughs> list is taken. So <laughs> I will happily speak to Swallow. Um, I think it is... Go watch the trailer first of all if you haven't seen the trailer because it'll just rope you right in. It's a It's a really eerie, scary thing to watch. And then you watch it. 
and there's a lot more to the movie than just, oh, wow, this woman keeps putting horrible things inside of her body. Mm-hmm. I like that it's not a lesser film that would have just been like, isn't that wacky? The end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of backstory yeah. to it, and I just, I, I think about it a lot, and I want to rewatch it. It's also got such a nice aesthetic. It's really good. It's also a lot like other things on my list. <laughs> It definitely has the color palette of other stuff on our list. I mean, all my movies are beautiful, <laughs> yeah. but she's got great costumes. Uh, I like her. It feels like a movie that you don't know what time and place it's it's taking place in, mm, which just, I like that. it really adds a lot. It, the whole thing is just such a mood, and it was really fun coming up with letterbox reviews afterwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kayleen's simply said, ouchie. <laughs> Uh, yeah i really liked it there's a a lot of surprises along the way so watch it for Mm -hmm. a thrill as well as a bad time it's dark it's really dark it it hurts it it does hurt i got a lot of dark stuff except for like i said if you will it's what it's ouchie if you will ouchie if you will cool all right kimmy what's your number four now's just where we're all gonna make bump 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 i know i know (laughs) Okay, <laughs> my number four is The Sound of Metal. Oh, nice. No? Oh, wow, not that's on not on your, your list? list at all, Courtney? No, cool. I'm surprised. I mean, yeah, I, not I loved it. It's in my top ten, but no, it did not make my, my yeah. top five. Same. It that's was close cool. for me. Yeah. Um, Riz Ahmed's performance was incredible. Everybody else's performances, too, really highlighted it and like I said when we were talking about it I liked that there was no like malintent by anyone and the conflict Mm -hmm. was so unique in that it's just conflict with self conflict with man you know conflict with maybe the unknown a little bit and coming to terms with that it was a, a life story I liked that essence of slice of life and I thought that the way that they chose to tell it was really new and refreshing I don't know I'm I'm glad that that film came out that year because it really makes you when you watch it take stock in what you hold dear and what is really important what is truly important to your life Mm -hmm. I also like I mean for me I know it's really basic but I feel like I just learned a little bit more about the deaf community and how they see that and how they see somebody who's dealing with it the way that he is and and also just to, to be a struggling addict and then having mm-hmm. to deal with that, that's so hard. Yeah. There's lots of layers to that one. Yeah. All right, I'm definitely getting bumped for this, but it's Birds of Prey for number four. Bumped! <laughs> bumped. <laughs> oh, fuck. Can we, we all have the same list? <laughs> we have the same list. <laughs> no, I, I... I know, I've already spoiled two things on y'all's well, list. Well, now I just, I know how this whole... This whole scenario is about to go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get bumped. My number four is Black Bear. Bumped, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> Kimmy, you go. Okay, my number three is Birds of Prey. Bumped! <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not sure about this one. I might be in the clear, but I'm not sure. The Trial of the Chicago 7 is my number three. It's not on my okay, list? Okay, no, not on my list. Sick! Okay, okay. <laughs> Wow, I get to finally talk. Okay, so The Trial of the Chicago 7 is one of the ones that I shoved in this week before we did this episode because you guys really liked it and I really wanted to see it. 
And I kind of went into it the same way that you described, Kimmy, where I was like, I always like court movies for the most part, and I, but I was still like, you know, it's going to be one of those really good court movies. But instead, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was written by Aaron Sorkin, but the second his name came up at the end, I like re-remembered, and I was like, God, of course it was. It was so good. <laughs> and then I just wanted to bring up a couple parts without like getting into major spoilers. I really liked the part where Eddie Redmayne is maybe going to go on the stand and you realize what he meant to say at the riot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And I was like, ooh, that's a great part. And that also, like, bonds him and Sacha Baron Cohen, which I really liked. And then the ending yeah, just, like, ending. fucking got me. I was like, oh, I was literally like, I'm going to give a standing O to this in my <laughs> living room. It was so sick. <laughs> And obviously it's really pertinent right now, too. It's just, like, very similar to shit we're dealing with in society. So I was like, yikes, this is stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty sick. It's a good one. I loved it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little confused. I'm doing mental math, but I do think I'm getting bumped. <laughs> My number three is Palm Springs. Bump! Yeah, okay. I know, I know wow. all the cards now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My number two is Black Bear. Cool. Wow, do we all have the same number one? Oh my god. Yeah, so it's number two for me. It's number four for Courtney, number five for Kayleen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just like so thankful that Courtney brought this movie to my attention. I was just hunkered down and watched it and I was just in awe. I like couldn't (laughs) believe it what I was watching. I was called Courtney up as I was watching it and I was like, Oh my God, dude. And she's like, where are you in the movie? And I was like, here. She's like, keep watching. You're not even into it yet. <laughs> and I don't know. Can we like spoil it a little bit here now or what? I I mean, we can just say right now, like, listeners, we're going to spoil this one. We haven't spoiled anything yet. Spoilers. Yeah. No yeah. timestamps for yeah. you. Just spoilers. No timestamps. No. I'm sorry. Here you go. Spoilers. Just go watch it, please. Go turn yeah. this off and go watch it and then come back. <laughs> it's fine Aubrey deserves it yeah Aubrey does does deserve it I just think like the idiosyncrasies that were utilized to differentiate certain storylines in Mm -hmm. this film were so inspired so detailed and I love that here we are that they just crashed you know from in the first half they crashed they saw the bear and they crashed Mm -hmm. and now we're back at the opening scene but it's like it's not a, a tripod camera. It's a handheld. And it's there's no smoke or anything like that. Right. And I'm like, this is the same, but different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so trying to analyze, like, what the changes, why the changes were made. Why is Aubrey Plaza wearing the dress that the wife was wearing in the first half? Like, mm-hmm. why is Christopher Abbott not the character? Like, why is he the, the director yeah. and stuff? There was, like, an ascot, too, that someone had that switched. Really? Oh, yeah. Sarah's Mm -hmm. wearing it later. Yeah. Yeah. I just... And another thing that I was trying to talk to some other people I watched it with is the writing in the first half is so good and meaty and wordy, right? And so Mm -hmm. if we're meant to believe that the first half is the film that's being produced in the second half, the... The dialogue is kind of shitty in the second mm. half. And I think they're taking it really seriously. So I don't know. What I'm trying to get at is that 
I feel like you could dissect this movie forever. Mm-hmm. And right. apparently this director made another movie before this that has similar themes about the deconstruction of Hollywood and artists and stuff like that, which I really enjoy. It makes mm-hmm. me feel like it's a movie that's made for me. And like when when the girl at the end, it's like the most it's the climax. It's the most horrible part. Aubrey is like crying in agony and then she has to get room tone. I thought I crack up. Oh it's yeah, so yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. It's horrible and tragic, but also hilarious. And I'm like I'm like, are you serious? You need right. to get room tone right now. <laughs> They're I like, Aubrey, shut 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 the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I love movies like this. This is my shit. It's not like one of those movies where I feel like I don't get it. It's a movie that I don't quite understand, but I feel like I could analyze it and have, like, mm-hmm. really good discussions with people about This is yeah. one that would be fun to just watch again and take notes. And it's one of those ones, like, after you know the ending, to you want to go back and see it again. Yeah. 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 I really like, like you said, all the little things that you can catch. And like you said, I really like that it's not only that you can dissect it forever, but that you can come up with a bunch of different options of what it could be you know so it's like anyone who watches it could come up with something different and you could argue that to be true and then I also like you were saying about the guy working on a similar film I also saw that the director and his wife are both directors and actors and they've done a movie where they were in a tumultuous relationship like the one in the film that's Hmm. cool maybe it's that one (laughs) meta 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 yeah (laughs) Is that your number two, Kimmy? Uh, oh, so it's Sweet. my number two. So my number two is Palm Springs. That was my three. So Palm Springs is special on this list because it's the only movie on here that I've seen twice, um, which is part of why I put it above the trial of the Chicago 7 because Palm Springs, I can attest to the fact that I love it. I've seen it twice. I loved it just as much both times, and it was just so fun and the first time I watched it with you guys which was really fun like we just had the best time and it was like one of the first 2020 movies we got to watch together after the virus which was really nice to be able to do and then yeah and then I watched it again with Dakota and just watching him have fun watching it and like getting to relive some of the lines I forgot was so good and I just really like when a rom-com is actually solid and I feel like I can sell it to people because there are so many crappy rom-coms out there and this one's like an actually good movie not just a good rom-com yeah I solidified this one like I've only seen it once but high on my list in 2020 there was a time where I was like I guess that's the best movie of 2020 yeah um (laughs) yeah well no I already I already knew that I had other ones ahead of it and everything but it was just like (laughs) A rekindling of that. We watched it midway through the year. It was finally, I got to see my friends after, there's a siren. I got to watch it after not getting to see you two for months. And so it was really just a fun, pleasant time. And mm-hmm. the color palette, the joy that is in the characters, taking this the same idea of a time loop and just having fun with it and being silly for a nice long while with it was really enjoyable as opposed to yeah. just mourning that or trying to get out of it at first it was it was fun to to progress to that number two we can all talk about this now my number two is birds of prey birds of prey yes my number three it was your number four it was my four sweet Mm -hmm. so just spitballing off of what kayleen said about it being the the one movie she has seen twice for palm springs i've seen birds (laughs) of prey six times holy (laughs) shit (laughs) probably more when i just consider the times i would just play it on my phone but not log in on letterboxd 
I saw it three times in theaters before the world exploded. Then I just remember watching it and I showed it to Aaron and that was just such a delight because Aaron doesn't watch a lot of movies, but uh, showing it to them and then they didn't even know Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it. And they were like, my wife when she showed up. (laughs) And we just had such a fun night, like just feeling like badasses. That movie is just so empowering and so fun and fun to look at. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Empowering. That's... It, that's what it is. Yeah. It's empowering. And I remember, I think I mentioned this when we when we saw it and talked about it on here, but I remember watching them fight. They have that awesome fight choreography and they're like, you know, passing hair bandies and stuff and mm. helping each other out. And I just realized that I was smiling so big mm-hmm. because how many times have we seen groups of men do that and whatever, what have you, that... Some of them are villains, some of them are not technically, like, entirely morally sound, whatever. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I needed it. And girls and women needed it. And we yeah. got it. And I was just so proud and happy of that moment. I love how it came mm-hmm. out kind of close to the year before we got Captain Marvel, and that came out on International Women's Day. And with Birds of Prey, they were like, Valentine's Day! Take your boyfriend to see this and see if he's yeah. a keeper or not. <laughs> like... <laughs> People are like, I don't get it. I don't think that it was that good. Oh, oh. <laughs> do you want to say that again? I really like that it accentuates, you know, some of the things that make a woman a woman, which obviously that's like, you could be whoever you want to be, but stuff like the hair tie, where it's like, that's a woman thing, like that doesn't happen in men superhero movies, because it's usually like, I gotta be this macho guy, and like, Finally, we can lean into the feminine side of a superhero and just, like, womanhood. Sisterhood. Yeah, Yeah, sisterhood, womanhood, and see what that's like on screen. And it's very fun. And so much of it was made by women. Just having a director Mm. that's female at the helm, the producers being female, the leads being female, and POC characters in it as well. Like, they just had so much... That That's the kind of stuff that turns out when you give people an opportunity. And... Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's such a good movie. And why shouldn't it be universally entertaining for all genders? It should. It's a dope-ass movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to watch it That's again awesome. soon. I'm itching. It's so good. It's on HBO Max now. And Ooh. you can hear the soundtrack in my car. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm not listening to another soundtrack, if we're ready to all share our number one movie of the year. Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. <laughs> yes. I'm twirling my Promising Young Woman nails as we speak. Yes, we painted our nails. I'm just so happy. Yeah. I'm so happy (laughs) about how great it was. We fucking knew it. We knew it. We knew. Back when we got the trailer. A whole year ago. Back when it got pushed. Mm -hmm. Back when I was Mm -hmm. stalking the Wikipedia page every week asking when is it going to be released? (laughs) Like, what is your plan? I'm glad you had the the willpower to not read the script until after you saw it. I read the first 25 pages and they were great. (laughs) (laughs) I am so thankful because if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman, there's a major twist. It's a a film that doesn't shy away from anything and it really does something unique and you might not like it, but it did it. And yeah, that would would have been spoiled if I read the script, Mm -hmm. which I did read the night after I saw it with Kimmy. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I got home probably like at midnight and just plowed through that whole thing and I was, ugh, 
I was laughing. I was shaking. I was, I, I couldn't believe what was on paper versus what ended up being the final product. Mm. And there are like yeah. slight differences, but for the most part, it was, it, it, there's just so much to it. There's so much in Emerald's choices and so much in Carrie's acting that is layered right there in the script for the reader or for the actor. And it's mm-hmm. just brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. And this film was written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who actually plays Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown. Sick. Oh. She's also the woman in the movie who's doing the blowjob lips tutorial. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I read that on Letterboxd. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I just think that it's really important to point out this movie made by a woman and what that means for the female gaze versus the male gaze. There's really, really difficult topics talked about, but it's not glamorized and romanticized and sexualized in a way that unfortunately a lot of male-directed films that talk about these issues are. Does it take away from the experience? Absolutely not, because it allows us to put the situation in our own heads and have that imagination for ourselves, which I think also gives a credit to the audience being intelligent in that way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's an awesome thing to do. I was just going to say, I also think it's kind of similar to like what I said about Birds of Prey and how it shows off womanhood and sisterhood. It's kind of the same thing in this where it's like, we can tell a revenge story from a woman's point of view and have it be like in a different kind of way, but glamorous and like bubbly and fun and not like dark and depressing and vulgar. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. We've we've had conversations too, and I have so much to unpack here with this one. Like I could talk for hours yeah, about go, this movie, go. I, I, but I can't wait. We've we've talked in the past about a lot of Academy Award winners that are female. Their storylines revolve around rape, sexual assault, mm-hmm. and this film. I I don't like people condemning it for having such a bubblegum view and having Cassie dress and act the way that she does, and she's really sardonic, but she's also beautiful and she tries and she gets dressed every day for herself and she mm-hmm. takes the time to to do her nails and her hair and all these things and it's because she's trying to be like this venus flytrap for men but it's also just because that's how she is and that's what she wants to do for mm-hmm. herself and i i just love like even in scenes where it's just her and another woman like she shows up looking great with alice and brie she's so cute right. when she's uh pretending to be that makeup designer for the the music video and everything and it's just yeah. all this this fashion that is not about the male gaze. It is about her and how she wants to be viewed and how she wants to view herself mm-hmm. and everything. And I think it's really... The costuming in this movie is just so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, on my rewatch with Kayleen, I really noticed in the um, montage that we have with her and Bo Burnham, they're wearing gendered colors. Cassie is always in pink and he's always in mm-hmm. blue. And it's just like... Mm-hmm. There's just so many little things that are like highlighted that have to do with the bigger idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know what else you guys want to talk about it, but, like, the script, even not from reading it, like, the dialogue that's in it, I have so much to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to say about the set design? Because at one point, Mm -hmm. it really does become very evident that that is something that needs to be analyzed. The the parents' home, it's so archaic. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what does that mean? Why are they emphasizing this? I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of Cassie and her family... I feel like have the sense of being frozen in time due to yes. the trauma that mm. occurred. And I think that's kind of what it represents. I guess like, I think there's a lot of ways that you could read into this, but there are many, many shots where she is in the direct, like dead center and it's a wide shot. 
Like, there's mm-hmm. one in her bedroom. There's one like that at the coffee shop. That's the one where Bo Burnham, like, comes into the shot, which is very interesting. But there's just, like, a lot like that where you get to see kind of the whole set with her at the center, which I really like. I really like that as well. The pharmacy scene, like, the neon lights yeah. and everything, and just kind of the mm-hmm. romanticiz- romanticization of, like, falling in love and that montage that we get and everything. And, oh, with it's Paris so Hilton, good. Paris Hilton, one-hit wonder. Yeah, Emerald <laughs> Fennel was like, I'll yeah. do what I want and people will love it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I wish, Kimmy, Kimmy and I saw it at a drive-in, and I wish we could have... I mean, it's nice to to watch things in silence and everything, but I would have loved to just kind of, like, throw things out at you or something, because I was doing that with Aaron. I I kept looking over at the window to see if you were looking at (laughs) me. And it was fogged up. (laughs) Yeah, it was fogged up, so I couldn't see. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely did that at one point to you, and I was trying to... I also texted Kimmy as soon as we, like, closed our car doors to start watching the movie. I was being... I was joking, and I texted her, I miss you, and, like, four hours later, she responds and goes, oh, I miss you, too, and I was like, it was a joke! <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think you thought that I, like, I thought- just sent it. I thought you did. <laughs> no, I just- <laughs> we had departed, and you were like, I miss you. No, I said it when we were like, all right, the movie's starting, and I was just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'm watching it with Aaron, and I just am loving something I just noticed right away in her first attempt at, at luring a guy in, and it's Adam Brody. She does this the whole movie, too, and it's in the script. She never answers the men when they ask her things, because it's, like, right. not entrapment then, in a way. They're like, do you mm-hmm. want to come with me? And she doesn't answer, and it's like, that right there, she gave you no consent. Mm-hmm. Do you want another drink? She doesn't answer, and it just is the the one that drives me the most nuts is when Christopher Mintz Plass is literally rubbing cocaine on her gums and it's like oh, at yeah, what that was point up. right what how are you doing she this she clearly doesn't want to and like pretends like she physically can't yeah. to the point where he's like I'll just rub it on your gums for it that was disgusting. so intrusive i mean yeah. yeah and then that just makes that this is graphic, but that line hits so strong when she says, at least you woke me up before you put your fingers inside me. You get points oh, for yeah. that. Like, that is mm-hmm. huge. Just, it, it's it's a movie that I want young men to see and then be afraid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, way, yeah. the way that women are always afraid. And Kayleen loves this line right. where she's like, there's a woman in town who carries scissors around. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I want to go do that for fun. <laughs> if only bars were open. I know. Or just to put that seed of doubt in someone's mind. Like, I'm not the only woman out here who does this kind of thing. Yeah. Right. You better watch out. And you could maybe, like, take the bluff, but I think that planting that seed of doubt is what is important. Right. Yeah. Like, that's why I keep, like, oh, you guys, I'm not going to get into specifics right now, but do you really think that you're going to get away with it like you need to be scared you need to Mm -hmm. be so afraid that you will never attack another human being like that because we'll fucking find you and we'll show everything on the internet you fucking pussies it's also like at this point obviously we just want to like build good men you know like our sons and other people but also if we have to, I guess we'll fucking scare you into it now. Because mm-hmm. it's it's the easiest line written in the movie, but it is the most powerful one of, it's every guy's worst nightmare being accused of something like that. Right. Can you imagine what every woman's worst nightmare is? It's something that we've mm-hmm. lived with our entire lives. Yeah. It's about fucking time they get scared. Yeah. 
I also want to point out the incredible, like, mood switches and tone shifts, Mm -hmm. like, in this film, because here we are. We're watching the film. I don't know if you had this same experience, Courtney. Uh, Definitely, you know, let me know. But I was sitting in the car with my stepsister, and we're watching it, and we're having a great time. We're enjoying it, and we're like, ooh, she's going to the dean's office, Connie Britton's office, right? (laughs) And I was like, and it just came off the scene with the... The girl said the band's name is like... Wet Dreams. Wet Dreams or something. (laughs) It's funny, right? Yeah. And we're not really in the gritty grit of the movie quite yet. And then there's like a huge tone shift in that Mm, scene that just made me like... I just sat back and I was like, this is something else. This is a different movie than what I was expecting. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm obsessed with the way she's smacking her gum. And she goes, I just told you the same room Nina was in. (laughs) She's so so just not there to fuck around with these people. She's like, well, maybe if you did something. Yeah. That's like. I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) That's one of the things about this movie that. So when Courtney and I saw it. The whole day, just, like, we wouldn't be talking about it. And then I'd be like, remember this part? Or, like, what about this yeah. part? <laughs> and, yeah. but one of the things is that I was just really surprised with how funny it was. I didn't, it, it's, like, half a comedy. A large part of it is comedy. And at the expense of these really, you know, rough and heavy subjects. And one that I don't want to spoil the context. But when she goes, what am I doing? <laughs> Is that what she says? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, he's... Or she says, I'm not doing anything. He, he's like, stop, stop it, stop this. But I'm not doing anything. And she sits down and, uh... I'm not doing and anything. she says, I'm not doing anything. <gasps> yeah, I think I think it has the exact right tone from, from Cassie herself. And then it uses the surrounding energy and, like, the surrounding... It's, it's really just, like, a big looming thing over it. And I could be wrong. I gotta see it again. I don't believe the word rape is ever used in this movie. Instead, Mm. it's this unsaid word that is looming over all of it. She says about Nina, he took a girl. She says about all these other things, like, you'll sleep with a woman who's too drunk to Mm -hmm. hold her head up, and that sort of a thing. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. It. They say it a lot, and and they also leave it kind of up to, um, the trailer, second trailer does give it away, but they leave it up to, if you hadn't seen the trailer... You don't know if it's Cassie who was the one who was raped. You don't know if that's who it was or if it was someone else until you do. Mm -hmm. But they don't use that word specifically so that she can get the guy who did it to say it, to get him to Mm -hmm. be the one to finally say the word rape on screen. And I just love Mm -hmm. how the film handles it because a lesser film and pretty much every other Oscar Beatty type shit would show the rape. And I don't need that. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs that at all. And I love that they didn't use it right obviously we all loved it we talked about this one so much longer than any of the others so for people listening like it's number one for a reason it's number one for a reason we have plans to watch it tomorrow i have plans to watch it friday Mm -hmm. and saturday and sunday if i can get within that 48 hour window (laughs) (laughs) if i can buy it oh my god it's all over for focus features (laughs) i am gonna (laughs) yeah (laughs) hey where is it available right now uh friday it's available everywhere I know what I'm doing this weekend. I mean, exactly. you have to purchase it. You have to pay for it. <laughs> like, rent it. I'm doing it with my sister for our birthday. That is yeah. such a good birthday. <laughs> such a good birthday. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Well, that was our game. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you've seen some of those. Sweet. Okay. Well, moving into the wrap 
part, I will be talking about the click, and then... I, Courtney, will be talking about Moon. And I watched Everest. So we're starting off by talking about the click. So Courtney and Kimmy explained this to myself and our guest, Daniel, and I watched it. Kind of on recommendation of Daniel, because he also watched it separately. (laughs) So basically, the whole point of my um, notes is that I thought this movie was fucking hilarious, and I'm honestly mad at Daniel that he didn't watch it with me, because I watched it alone, and I wanted to turn to someone and be like, can you believe that shit? I had to but... watch the last half of it with him, because I came home, and I was like, what is happening in my house? <laughs> um, so the movie opens, and just immediately, I think she screams, I think that's like the she opening says, line, Massey. Oh my god! You're single-handedly ruining my life. That's what she Yeah, says. and I instantly wrote, Massey's a fucking icon. I love Massey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God bless. Um, and then I thought her dog was really cute, and he's there, like, immediately, and I like how much she talks to him. Next note is that the aesthetics are very beautiful. Like, they really... I mean, it's wow, not... Okay. It, no, but seriously, I don't mean this in, like, a cinematography way, but, like, they really, like, their fucking house is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, everybody's clothes, obviously, for the time, were gorgeous. There's just, like, a lot of colors. You know, it's really trying to look like what I assumed the books portrayed, and I thought they did a really good job. Um, I also, at one point, thought that Massey kind of looks like Zoe Deutsch and that a mm. baby Zoe could have maybe played her, which would have been interesting. Totally. That would have been fun. And then I just had a note here, which comes up again later, but Chris Abley is a little bit of a fuckboy, you guys, because, you know, I know the plot of the movie, and so I know that he has a girlfriend, but when he meets Massey and, like, says they're gonna meet again, he goes, it's a date. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. a person with a girlfriend doesn't say it's a date, so Massey is not in the wrong for thinking he's single, he's a fuckboy. I also thought it was kind of strange. They they go over the brochure for the school, and I'm sure that Claire's mom, like, wanted her to have, a you know, the best education or be at, like, the coolest school, but I just felt like it was a little bit of a bad choice to send her to a school where the pamphlet literally says, fashion is a priority. <laughs> it's like, especially when you know that you can't afford the kind of things that you see girls like Massey wearing, I just feel like, as a parent and as Claire, I wouldn't want to go there. Like, sometimes, obviously in high school I cared more about what I looked like, but I feel like sometimes I definitely did not give a shit. And to be at a school where every day you have to dress like Gossip Girl, that mm-hmm. sounds fucking exhausting. Then they go, and they get into the car, and it was that moment that you guys described, but I just, like, I literally died when Massey gets in the car and, like, bumps into <laughs> Claire really aggressively, and then she goes, oh my god, you scared me! I was like, What? <laughs> What even is this movie? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And then Kristen, which this is the part that you were supposed to play, right, Kimmy? <laughs> this, it's the, the part you auditioned, auditioned for. for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the part that you got cast. In. I went to the first round of auditions, you guys. It wasn't that. <laughs> well, the Kimmy part. Um, oh I liked her tracksuit, even though I know that they were like yeah. ew, and that and that it's hiding over a different outfit. But I was like, that tracksuit's cool. It's a and then Bill. Yeah, I know. She looks dope as hell. Yeah, 
she looked so sick. I was like, fuck your friends. You look awesome. And then she took it off, and I was like, oh, my God, you look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, like, the kind of person that I, as, like, a kid, I was like, I'm going to be so cool like that when I'm older, like, doing these crazy outfit changes. And that's not who I was. But I, I'm sure if I watched this as a child, I would have been like, that's who I want to be. And she's blonde. She was cool. I freaking, like, wore the clothes my mom wanted me to wear to school, and it was so much less dramatic. I had P.E. first period, and you have to change into P.E. clothes. And then after I wore the P.E. clothes, my punk friend would give me her, like, plaid pants that had extra suspenders all over them and chains and stuff. And I was like, (laughs) yes! (laughs) (laughs) Really not as dramatic as this. (laughs) The most I can remember is just wearing, like, normal clothes, but then my mom would be like, it's too cold, you have to wear this hideous puffy jacket, and then I would rather be cold than wear the jacket, and that was my rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) Then she says a bitch, and even though I knew it was coming, I was, like, clapping for her. I was so happy for her. (laughs) Um, And then I was mad at that art teacher the Claire walks in and like I know she was late but she's also new and just the entire time he was such a dick to her and now that I am in school to be a teacher I was like fire that asshole like who teaches children like treats children that way mm-hmm. I was not pleased it's the same thing where when you watch Donnie Darko and you're like god this teacher's cool when she's like sitting next to which boy you think is the cutest and now I'm yeah. like I would be fired <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who my students want to be with. Yeah. <laughs> Jody, get up. Kristen has a sidekick, which I which I liked, and I had one for a short period of time. My favorite cell phone of all time. Yeah, it's probably like the bougiest cell phone. Oh, God, such a sick phone. What was your favorite phone, Courtney? I didn't get any cool phones. <laughs> no cool phone? Like, really, no. I had the most basic, basic phones. I, like, I didn't have a razor or a chocolate or anything like that. Oh, like, I'm surprised you didn't have a razor. No, I, I I didn't get a cool phone, and none of my phones had names. And I remember one point I had, like, this phone that I thought was cool because there was, like, this spinning wheel on the front that you could, like, spin. Mm. And some girl on the cheer team was like, my mom has that phone. <laughs> like, she said it in a mean way? Just kind of like, oh, that's my mom's phone. And I was like, yeah, I wow. know. Like, of course it is. <laughs> No. You should have pretended it was the chocolate since it had the spinny wheel. Right? Yeah. Well, it did. It looked nothing like the chocolate. <laughs> I still have it. I could show you guys. Oh, cool. Did you have a chocolate, Kimmy? I didn't, but that was like the one that I thought was the coolest that I I'd ever had. I did have a chocolate. It was pink. Man. Oh, I wanted the green like, one. slides open like all weird, like, yeah. like how I don't need a phone to do like, anymore. Oh, didn't it slide both ways? Or I was that a different actually phone? actually had the ones that went to the side and went... I had the kinds that like up. went up like a Game Boy, and then I had the mm-hmm. kind, and it swiveled open like a that that was my phone. favorite phone oh. that didn't have a name though. But I was obsessed with that phone, and I remember being yeah. like, "Look well, how cool my phone is!" And by that point, everyone had a sidekick, and I was like, yeah. "No, it's better than that." I would always <laughs> like buttons are tough to use. <laughs> I would always like switch it open like as like a habit, like a thing, a twitch to do. Yeah, it was like, same. oh yeah. It was it was like my little spinny wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a fidget uh fidget cube. Yeah. Fidget spinner. Spinner. Yeah. I know that the girls at this school are mean and that this this scene is still very embarrassing, 
but I kind of forgot during the explanation that they go to an all-girls school, and I just feel like a period mishap at an all-girls school is way less bad. Like, I think I would have had less anxiety about that kind of stuff had I gone to an all-girls school. Yeah. But these girls are fucking assholes, so it didn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I know that Big Redhead is Dylan's I am name, and that's one thing, because you make your own I am name. (laughs) But Massey also has Dylan in her phone as Big Redhead, and I'm like... That's fucked up. <laughs> maybe maybe you just named all of your friends their I am name, but I don't think that you did, and that's super mean. Oh, this part cracked me up when Claire is sitting down with Lane, and they're, like, making a small talk, and she goes, oh, my God, is that a real tattoo? I can't and believe we like- left that out. I'm so <laughs> mad we left that out. I think Kimmy and I were, like, focused on dinner at that point. <laughs> I was like, what? Because for the listeners, it's like a fucking rhinestone tattoo. Like, it's literally rhinestone stickers. Yeah. And she asks if it's real. And I'm like, is your 3D rhinestone tattoo real? No, you fucking idiot. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, my God. That was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> the part when Massey finds out that Claire likes Chris I don't know if you guys remember her face, but she's giving her the most evil stare and for probably 60 whole seconds. (laughs) It was very, very funny. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Like, obviously, none of this movie is great acting or anything, but I actually thought Claire was pretty sad. Like, she cried twice, like, big cries. Yeah. The second one, especially when she's crying to her mom at the end, like, on her bed, I thought that was really sad. And I... I kind of feel like it's maybe just because I'm getting older that I'm starting, you know, to sympathize with these kinds of things more. But I I felt so sad that she, like, I remember being a kid and having moments where I was like, my mom would never understand. And now that I'm getting older, I'm like, that's so sad that kids don't get it, you know, that they really think you won't get it. Yeah. And her mom's trying so hard and Claire's like, you wouldn't understand. I just thought it was sad. I think it's hard to be an adult and talk to your kid and be like, Mm -hmm. and try and get them to comprehend the fact that it's actually not a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? That not everything in your life is imminent because like, it's not like when, and that's where kids are like, you don't get it. It's like, no, you don't get it. You know, (laughs) how do you tell your, your poor kid that, you know, that the thing that they Mm -hmm. feel like really matters to them is actually not a really big deal like mm-hmm. I just kind of think about myself like when I was younger that my ability like my comprehension was so small mm. it was really hard for me to grasp the bigger picture of things because everything was like right here right now the most important thing and I don't know brains dude brains are so weird yeah um and then I I have like wrap-up thoughts but the last note that I took is that I have fixed the ending with the State of the Union. What would have been sick is if she said out, Claire, in Claire. (laughs) Because instead it said out, Claire, in Claire, which doesn't make any fucking sense, but it would have been cute if it was like out, Claire, in Claire. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, I just wanted to say, like, we talked about how I rated it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. I definitely bumped up my rating. I feel like if I watched this as a kid, like, preteen, I probably would have really liked it and then watched it later and been like, oh, God, that was bad. (laughs) But I just thought it was so funny. Like, I might watch it again. I had a fun time. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like, I'll watch Sleepover again in my lifetime, so why not click? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was very fun. Okay, so next in the explanations, I watched Moon. 
I watched it two nights ago, and I did not take any notes while watching it. I just wrote down one, two, three, four, five things after I watched it. (laughs) Um, And so, like, my big takeaways from it uh, are that the music slaps. It's got Mm. some bangers in there, and I do hear a theme that plays throughout it, and I just was really enjoying it. It it's feels very spacey, it feels very high yeah. stakes, and I really enjoyed the music. I felt like I had a lot of questions the whole time watching it, and then I was kind of disappointed to only get some answers. There's just mm. so many questions I have about why, <laughs> why mm. clones, why these plans that you have, and then especially watching Gertie have, like, these Dr. Octopus tentacles that can do whatever you want them to do. I was like, he seems more than capable of harvesting a couple of tanks every few months or whatever. And there just was a lot of times where I felt like I had questions about that and then only got certain answers to things that were maybe offhand or just made. And I also really, from your description, I thought I was going to get to see him even in a short montage on Earth and, like, news footage and stuff. And we don't see mm. that. We just see him, like, catapulting yeah. towards Earth. And then you hear, like, some some headlines and everything. So I kind of wanted more from that. Overall, I, I thought Sam did a really good job playing more than one part. And I do like the idea and the implication of nature versus nurture, what part of your personality is embedded in you. Mm-hmm. They also took memories from the first Sam Bell and implanted them. I loved that part where he's he's new Sam is talking to bruised Sam who's like really at the end of it. Like he's sitting yeah. next to him in one of the rovers when they're going to like check out the comms towers and everything and the new Sam is telling the story of his first date with their wife and I thought that was really sad Mm -hmm. because they would all think that that's their memory and it's not their memory and that's just so sad and you kind of see it hitting him as he's telling it and by then bruised sam has like fallen asleep because he's so ill and i just i Mm -hmm. that that part hit me uh in a way that i didn't expect it to something else i'm kind of circling back to what i just said a point before about how your the clones have all these different personalities seemingly like we only see two but you just kind of yes. don't know how you're going to wake up. Like, is he going to wake up an angry clone? <laughs> um, and maybe he's only being confrontational because he is seeing another clone of himself. Mm, maybe when mm-hmm. that Sam woke up and he didn't see anything, he would be good to go and he would be fine. But instead, yeah. you get the confrontation from him. You get to see the first Sam that we knew of trying to like really appease him and level with him and kind of make a friend out of him. And it's just so interesting that... There are, are, like, your different personalities in this way, and I kind of, like, equated it to, like, astrology. I was like, okay, well, this is his, like, rising sign, and then this is his moon <laughs> sign. And it's like, you interact with yourself and with others one way, and then you put up a front in another way, but deep down you have right. something else that's within you, and I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Something that I read from Duncan Jones is that he had a plan, like, he had a lot of things that it seemed like didn't make it into the final script, and then he still spouted them out at Sundance of, like, when Sam goes back to Earth, he's carrying a tank of helium that's worth $15 million. So that's going to, oh. <laughs> he's going to be set on Earth when he gets there. And I'm like, for his three years. It did say for his three years. And I was like, first of all, isn't he landing like right back at the base? Wouldn't you just shoot a clone on site if they landed? Like, where is he landing? Mm. I'm assuming that's he's, an interesting question. Yeah, he, he, that's probably a water landing. 
somewhere near the lunar industries. So there's just a lot of like little questions like that that I had. But something else that he mentioned is that the original Sam Bell provided all these answers and these memories and basically knew that they were going to make clones of him and was okay with that. And I'm like, ooh, that's on you then. (laughs) Like... It's it's kind of like the I mean it, like we mentioned last time it's kind of the same conundrum of the cookie thing like yeah. the real the real woman in that story chose to do that not knowing like what that would feel like to be the cookie and I'm sure it was the same with Sam where he's like sure like use me for a clone who cares not knowing that these clones are going to have a whole identity crisis you yeah. know But anyways yeah there's there's lots of moral conundrums here that I would like to see explored maybe in conversation with people or maybe in conversation with the director. Maybe I'll watch like his Sundance thing or whatever. Something Mm -hmm. that I didn't like that I guess was answered at Sundance. I was watching the movie and he's talking and he's talking about like his chores and he's doing his little rover checks and he's like making notes and he's like, all right, Matthew's at this point over here. And then he keeps going and he just goes, Oh, okay. And then we got Mark. And I was like, did they seriously name the Rovers after the first four books of the New Testament? I was like, mm. why? Oh. What does that have to do with anything? And then, yeah, sure mm-hmm. enough, we got Luke and John. And I was like, why? <laughs> no. First of all, like, what are you trying to say here, dude? And second of all, like, the way that Rovers and spacecrafts and missions projects are all named are like, you name it something like Challenger or you name it something like Atlantis. You, you give them names like Apollo that are like, what? <laughs> and then I guess the writer of the script at Sundance, somebody's like, what's the significance of naming the Rovers after the first four books of the New Testament? And he goes, oh, I just needed four names. And oh I was like, then maybe don't pick ones that are so, like, significant and could have implications. Like, what? Yeah, that almost makes it seem like it was thrown in there to be like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah or t- if he's just like, I have religious, like, undertones, but I right. won't speak of them. Or he just has, like, an agenda where he's like, God said it was okay to go to the moon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was really silly especially in like a movie about cloning and like messing with science and humanity and all that stuff i was like you should have thought that through more um and then i'll end with my two funny notes the song that he plays when he's trying to get him his other self to dance was walking on sunshine and i was like but we're on the moon (laughs) (laughs) walking on sunshine that other space movie yeah and then my last note is really silly but there's a part where One of the Sams, I think it's the new Sam, I don't know, is wearing this big puffy yellow suit. Mm -hmm. It's like he's trying to warm up inside of there and he just, he like zips it up and it's like this big padded like Michelin man type suit, but it's yellow. And I'm watching it with Daniel and I just go, oh, that looks so cozy. And the next line of dialogue was, I'm cozy. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it looks so cozy. (laughs) And I thought that was fun. Yeah. Those are my thoughts on Moon. Kimmy's turn. I watched Everest, which Courtney explained to both of us. Yeet. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What I enjoyed more was Courtney's explanation of the movie. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Courtney, you (laughs) did amazing. Like, you did so amazing. You should have made that movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
That's like what Nick said when he watched it. Yeah, yeah or was true. it Jordan? Was it Jordan? No, it was Nick. Nick's Letterboxd okay. review really made me happy. I put a smile on my face. It's true. <laughs> like, you made me care about the characters so much more. And I, I guess it was, like, a lot of stuff to pack into one movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did talk about that a t- tiny bit. There's, like, a lot of characters. And I think the movie kind of did itself a disservice by having so many characters because... I didn't care about them as much as when I heard you speak of them. Mm. And you were nervous about differentiating between the characters, but I was, like, welling up when you were talking about, like, Yasuko making her seventh summit and stuff. And and when she did it in the film, I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, Yasuko, whatever. I'll try to remember some of the things that I wanted to talk about because I didn't write any notes down, unfortunately, but... That's okay. The use of sound in this film, I think, is really cool. And, like, in particular, there's... I think it's the part where this huge storm is happening, and it's like, shh, like, raging storm, and then suddenly it's quiet. It it was so distinct that I felt like my ears popped. Oh. And if if it's like that, like, damn, dude. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I had a question when the hypoxia situation came up. Yeah. With the... I can't remember his name, Andy. Well, what's sad is I said it wrong the whole time. His name is Andy Harold Harris, and he likes to go by Harold. But I put in my notes Andy the whole time. So in the movie, Mm. they even call him Harold, and I feel really bad. So anyways, Andy Harold Harris, yes, he gets hypoxia. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, how come everybody kind of progresses through these symptoms of being hyper cold in different ways? Your body. your, yeah, your body, I guess. I'm like, why isn't everybody experiencing hypoxia? What's really strange is some people have strokes. That's like, yeah. oh gosh. Like, I think like the number two cause of death on Everest is like your body will just be like, no, I've had enough and have a stroke or a heart oh attack. Oh my goodness. And you hmm. don't know that's going to happen until it's already happened. Huh. I wonder too, like, I wonder if he would have been having more symptoms, but he, like, kind of woke up with hypoxia, right? Yeah, so I wonder yeah. if, like, sleeping kind of fucked him, you know? Yeah. Or he was also one of the people who had to wait on the Hillary step, and he just did the most. Like, he had to keep going back and forth, whereas Rob, still tragic and still experiencing a lot, he was lying down there the whole time. Yeah, Like, he, right. his, his version was, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm not moving. I don't have adrenaline or anything going through me. Like, I'm just lying here in the snow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really liked how the difficulty in the marriage between Josh Brolin and Robin Wright is mm-hmm. kind of hinted at. He's leaving, or, or there's a phone call, I think. There's a phone call, and it's like, oh... Things are not super peachy keen in that marriage. Peachy. Ah. <laughs> Her name is Peach. And I love that, you know, when it comes to the end, that their marriage is stronger than ever because of what he went through. Like, I don't know. I, I thought that that was really cool to include. I also really appreciate and fully don't understand the group belief and, like, obsession with climbing this mountain (laughs) like i i totally respect it and just like totally don't understand it. i respect it yeah (laughs) and i also love how rob it's not about money for him and that it is fully his obsession with doing this and giving that experience to other people so much so that he'll put his own life at risk 
time and time again and against his better judgment so that the mailman guy can make it to the top because he needs that for his like mental health oh, and well-being. Yeah. I, I think that's very admirable and I will never, ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> ever. I guess lastly, the thing I want to say is that you're fucking right. Kira Knightley crushed that phone call scene. Such a short, simple role, and she she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so much. Yeah, I wish I wrote more stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But I was yeah, really no, happy to see you enjoyed it at least. Yeah, mainly the the mainly the thing that I wanted to say was that you did a bang up job. Courtney's iteration of it, I felt was far more emotional than actually watching it in the experience. So kudos to you, mm-hmm. Courtney. You fucking crushed it. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for round nine, you guys. Ah. Now we're going into round ten. It's got to be a special round, you guys. I don't know about 10. that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't put that pressure on it. <laughs> yeah, geez, Kimmy. I mean, Kimmy, you're going first, and I don't know how special your choice is. I don't know, you like, guys. This is a round of shit posting because, like, Kimmy and I are going next after that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be a good round. A good, I think so good too. round ten. Do you want to say so what, what you're are doing? you doing? Yes. So, starting off round ten, I'm going to be explaining the plot of the movie Greenland, starring Gerard Butler, <laughs> to Courtney and Kayleen. I've already Yikes. seen it. I have to go back, unfortunately, and watch it again. <laughs> the only thing worse we could be doing is Songbird. <laughs> which, which after I watched Songbird, they were like, do you want a screener for Greenland? And wow. <laughs> Kimmy I was like, watch no. Songbird. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I was super scared to watch it. Buckle up, bitches. Yay. I can't wait. <laughs> Catch us next time for uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.